This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, exclusively on the Bun 2.0, KBUNFM 104.5. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages, Paul Bunyan Country's distributor of Anheuser-Busch and Budweiser, by Northern Surplus Northern Outdoors in downtown Bemidji, and Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Gun Safes. And today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we're pleased to have Chip Lear joining us. We haven't had a chance to talk to Chip for a while. Welcome back, Chip. Oh, it's good to be here because we are on the uh, the eve of ice fishing, so it's time to get all all amped up. No doubt, and, and you know the reason we haven't been able to talk. You are a busy dude. Talk, talk a little bit about all the things you have going on. Well, I I, I wear a lot of hats. I, I made a commitment a long time ago to to make a living in the fishing industry, and to do so, you you find different ways to keep yourself busy. So. Uh, this time, this time of year, obviously, we're we're just wrapping up everything we need to do for next year's open water season. So it's kind of crunch time, uh, getting the last few fish caught and mm-hmm. coming over the side of the gunnel and and uh, testing new products that are going to hit the open walk, uh, water market uh, in in years to come. So a lot a lot of product testing, a little bit of uh, marketing with with photographs, but I'm also doing. Uh, uh, Cabela's National Walleye Tour uh, television. When we wrapped up our season here on Lake of the Woods in September, we got th- we got that done. We're looking towards next year, and there's a lot of alignment, putting things in line for the uh, the coming season, both ice and next year's open water. That's the beauty of living in Minnesota with all the different seasons. Is there's uh, you got you got to plan ahead a little bit because weather changes. <laughs> yes, it does. Just a little bit. And and you're an outdoor guy. Do you even get a chance to hunt anymore? Um, I love to hunt. I I haven't spent as much time hunting in the last couple of years as uh, as I once did, but that that's okay. I've spent more time fishing, and especially more time fishing during key big fish periods, and that's uh, the big fish really tripped my trigger. Well, and and uh, you definitely have spent a lot of time fishing, and you have uh, just been inducted into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. So, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's a little humbling. Uh, well, it's quite an honor. Certainly, you know, I don't know a, a lot of the guys in the Hall of Fame, but I know you know the Peterson brothers first of all. I know Al Moss, obviously. So, I mean, it's uh, there's some pretty big names in there. Well, I, yeah, it, that's the part that really takes you back when when you get the letter uh, of induction. Is is what the first thing that goes through your mind is all the guys that you um that you have learned from and and aspired to be yeah. or to uh, to be worthy of you know and all, all your peers so it's it's really really a uh um a humbling moment when you open that letter what do you think uh went into your selection i have no idea i i, I think it's the fact that i'm um I, i'm not afraid to try a lot of new things i and i'm my my biggest thing that I've always worked for in the world of fishing is is my ability to to push all of us. I mean, I'm, I've never claimed to be the world's best fisherman because that's not who I am. I, I've never um, had the ability to to really push the envelopes in terms of innovation, in terms of of techniques. But what I have been able to do is refine techniques and that other people that have. Um, developed them. I've helped refine, and most importantly, I think I've looked at my role as um, a real, for lack of a better term, a cheerleader to the sport. Where I, I think that 
so many people hit the water and they believe that when they go out in that day that they're not going to catch any fish. And if they don't catch any fish, they won't catch any fish. But so much of fishing is mental, way more mental than anybody gives it credit for. So if you go out in the, that day and say, I'm going, you know, I'm going to catch fish today, you can catch fish today. And that's one of the things that I've really tried to communicate to people over the years is that you can catch fish. You just got to keep pushing yourself and, and using every bit and piece of information that you've ever learned about a species or a technique or a time of year, you got to, every day is a new puzzle and you just got to keep adding pieces of that puzzle until you catch some fish because you will find them. You will catch them if you keep pushing yourself forward. But if you don't think you're going to, you never will. And of course, you've got your own website and multimedia um, um, empire, if you will. Tell us a little bit it's, about that and how that came to be. Well, it's a, it's a pretty small empire. But, <laughs> uh, Wildside, uh, net is my website. Fish in the Wildside I have used as a promotional name. Uh, oh, gosh, since uh, right around 2000, I think, was probably, well, I guess it was even before that. Late 90s is really when it all started to come together. And it was just nothing more than, than needed a name uh, to, to, you know, to send our message or to carry the message. And we, we've done everything from, uh, you know, actually make and, and uh, distribute free fishing publications to, to, um, to retailers all across the country. And then we've watched the whole... Uh, change from print and television, which we were involved in television for a number of years, into the whole digital marketplace that we have now, uh, and use, utilizing social media and different types of digital marketing to to carry the message on behalf of manufacturers to uh, the public, but most importantly, to just keep motivating people to fish more often and to keep trying. Um, and it, it's it's really fun, and it has it, it's all about. Part of it's all about catching fish, but it's also about getting out, getting in the outdoors, enjoying the environment, and having fun. Because that's what that's what fishing is to me. Let's go back. I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame. You've obviously uh, been a very successful uh, person in the fishing industry. Let's go back to the beginning. Chip Lear is a is a very very young boy. How does he find his way into this world? Um, well, amazingly enough, it was uh, it, it's right here in this area. My mom uh, graduated from Cass Lake High School. Oh, okay. And uh, this was uh, she's now ninety years old, and she still fishes when she gets uh, comes up to visit. She lives in Minneapolis now, but when she comes up to visit, and we get her off on the on the dock at our house at Leech Lake, she still catches fish off the dock, and she's <laughs> she's active at ninety. But two of her brothers, and they had a family of six, but two of her brothers were were well, they all they all loved to fish, but. Two, one had a um, a cabin uh, on the Cass Lake chain, Wolf Lake to be exact, and the other uh, one of her brothers lived right here in Bemidji, uh, across from the old Blue Ox Resort, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, which is no longer there. And he he had a lumber mill in, in Shevlin. But um, being the youngest of five boys, I, I'm I'm envisioning my mom was a little tired, and uh, with, with sports schedules and everything else, they put me on a Greyhound bus, and I would. I'd, I'd take the Greyhound bus all the way up to Cass Lake. I'd get off that bus. I'd go spend time at uh, the uncle's cabin on, on Wolf Lake, and we got up every morning. We went out and caught walleyes on a weed line. Then I would come over into Bemidji and uh, spend time at the, at my uncle's house here in Bemidji, and I'd walk across the street to the Blue Ox Resort, and I'd roll this boat out in front of a, a little pencil reeds, and I'd throw over an anchor, and I'd catch perch all day long. Um, and I'd bring them all back. We'd clean them all up, and we'd eat them. Uh, they also had a cabin up on on Lake of the Woods, and that that's where I started my my fishing guiding career thirty years ago. Um, and it was and my love for Lake of the Woods came from those trips up there, and going going fishing and uh, and and catching fish in the islands up there. And that's what eventually drew me back there 
um, as a young adult after going through college and trying life in the real world and trying to make real, you know, to make that work. I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I think I'm, I'm, my real calling is to go fishing and become a fishing guide. And that was my whole life goal at that point was to move up, live on Lake of the Woods, catch fish and get paid for it. And that's what I did. <laughs> so what were you, uh, what were you trying to make a living at before uh, you decided enough of that? Uh, just about everything that you could imagine, <laughs> but mostly, mostly, mostly in sales uh, and in different types of business. But mostly, I, I tried a lot of different types of sales. That's what my dad was. He was a salesman, um, and so I, I tried that. And it was it was funny. It was just I was so impatient because uh, I'm in my twenties, and I'm like. Boy, this you know this work thing. This is just going to take. This is going to take way too long to to get to where at least I I think I want to be. And, and part of that comes from the fact that my my dad had passed away at a pretty young age, and he always had this this. Um, he always talked about the fact that he was eventually going to retire and he was eventually going to take time off. Well, he had five five kids. My mom. He's supporting everybody, and it. It's no easy road to hoe. And when he passed away early, and I was I was in my early twenties, that was a big lesson. That you know what it's 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 life's journey that we got to enjoy, mm-hmm. and that's what motivated me to want to turn my passion into a living and just go go fish and let the rest fall into place. So how do we go from a Lake, uh, Lake of the Woods guide to where we're at now? Oh gosh, uh, there was there was a lot of things. You bump into a, you bump into a lot of people along the way. One of the first things uh, I, I happened to me when I was living on Lake of the Woods was I'd gotten contacted by a group that was making a book on uh, on fishing. The old Side of Cost Company was making a, a book on, on musky fishing, and and that was actually through uh, Paul and Greg Thorne. I'd hung around two places growing up, so. It's interesting how this works. So down in Minneapolis, I started hanging around Thorn Brothers, got going as a fishing guide. Thorn Brothers uh, customer odds and retail store mm-hmm. kind of gave me some help and direction. At the same time, I uh, wrote a letter to Northland Fish and Tackle here in Bemidji, Minnesota, letting John Peterson know that I was going to be a guide on Lake of the Woods and I'd love to, you know, I loved his tackle, and I'd like to get some tackle, and I'd, he let me buy some tackle. And anyway, to make a long story short, he sent me a handful of jigs and a hat, and that was 30 years ago. So I've been associated with Northland Fish and Tackle since those early days. Wow. Thorn Brothers, Paul and Greg Thornett at, uh, at Thorn Brothers helped me really kind of navigate the early days of the business because I stayed in contact with them. They're the ones that had this this contact that there was a, there was these people working on a, a musky book, and this was the side of cost hunting and fishing library books. Uh, Billy Linder was the photographer. Dick Sternberg was the writer. Um, all of guys that have moved on to great heights inside the, the fishing industry and made some connections early on, just kind of stayed in touch with those people. And as, as my guiding career um, evolved, so did my career in assisting manufacturers with getting their products uh, photographed and marketed. And then you work your way to Walker some way, somehow. Um, yeah, because you meet people. You meet people along the way, and, and you're 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 doing. Uh, there, there was a couple couple of lessons that I took early on. First was which when I was living on Oak Island, uh, convinced my wife to move up to Oak Island, and that we were going to turn this this lodge, uh, Angle Inn Lodge, up on Oak Island. We we're going to help them open up and create an ice fishing business because there was no ice fishing business 
on the north end of Big Traverse Bay. There was a couple of fish houses for rent, but there really was nobody. There was nobody on four blocks. There was no there was nobody <laughs> up there. And so we we got that lodge open so that and the first winter we were open, an outdoor writer showed up. I took him fishing, cooked him uh, cooked him some fish on the ice, had a successful experience. The phone started ringing um, from this article that got written in a small little suburban newspaper in Minneapolis, and we darn near filled the whole lodge from one article. That was, wow. okay, life lesson number one, media works. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with yes, that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, media works, and media works, media works really well, so pay attention to that. Secondly, I'd, I'd worked with uh, these companies helping get some photographs on, on some of their products early on, and a sales rep that I met through Thorn Brothers um, introduced me to Jeff Arnold at Reed Sporting Goods in Walker, Minnesota. And in the wintertime, between ice fishing, which was not a complete full-time gig in those times, those years, um, he was running around and doing sports shows. And he he grabbed me and said, hey, why don't you come on the road with me? And subsequently, we went to sports shows. In the days that there was no Internet, there was there was nothing. You had to go to the go to the town, and that helped me learn a lot about a lot more about the industry, a lot more about the products that were available in the industry, a lot more about uh, how all these companies worked to get their products into the retailers, and an enormous amount from his his genius marketing mind uh, through those years. So some great years on the road with Jeff Arnold. And uh, found your way to Walker, and and did just continued to find new ways to promote this this great sport. Yeah, we were, my wife and I had uh, had moved from Lake of the Woods, went over to Rainy Lake uh, and Lake Cavatogama, and over that way, and and an opportunity evolved to an opportunity opened up in Walker, Minnesota, to uh, to move down here. We're closer with the Arnolds. Um, in fact, we ended up buying a resort with the Arnolds out on on Leech Lake called Adventure North. And my wife, my wife ran the resort, and I helped uh, develop a, a guide organization called Leech Lake Guide Coalition in those years. And, and with the Leech Lake Guide Coalition, I took my, the marketing that I'd learned, and we started a, a publication, which all launched into Fishing the Wild Side. And one thing led to another, led to another. And, I, it, and that's when you get to know all of the great anglers, the Jeff Woodruffs and the, uh, and, and, and the Ted Gwynns and the Al Mosses and the Shrivers and all the, all the, the legendary guides of Leech Lake. I got to know those guys really well and, and launched where I am today. In addition, you've you found your way to the podium for a couple of different tournaments over the years. Uh, exactly, and it, it. So the one common denominator is is its people, and that's the, the whole deal. Fishing is a, it's a people industry, and it, it's all about relationships, and it's all about um, getting to know people and and celebrating the sport along the way. And from those early ice fishing guiding days up on Lake of the Woods in a fish house, met a guy that worked for a company that was starting a. a, a Pro Bass Tour called the Minnesota Pro on Bass Tour. So I ended up going down to Minneapolis and auditioning for a television gig for the Minnesota Pro on Bass Tour. So that, once again, it's people, right? Mm-hmm. So you meet somebody somewhere, and the next thing you know is they call you up a couple years later and go, hey, I got a gig for you. Um, and we launched the Minnesota Pro on Bass Tour, and that was my first time on stage emceeing for tournaments, at least on a, you know, on a sizable level. <laughs> and uh, it, it really went from there. And today, you know, I've obviously I've gone on to work for the In Fisherman's Professional Walleye Trail, went on to the FLW and the, their walleye circuit, and now the National Walleye Tour. So it's really been fun. 
More of the great outdoors with Kev Jackson next on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, sponsored by DS Beverages, Bonded Lock and Key, and Northern Surplus Northern Outdoors. Check us out at kbunsportsradio.com. Click on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to the podcast on Podcast One and iTunes. Chip Lear is our guest today. We can now officially call him a Freshwater Fishing Hall of Famer. We knew it was a matter of time. He will be inducted this upcoming March, discussing one of the many hats he wears, and that is Tournament Spokesman. Talk a little bit about the National Walleye Tour. What is it you like about that type of fishing? What I love about competitive fishing is observing the best anglers at their craft dissect a body of water in a very short period of time. And I, as a, as a fisherman, I, I learn more about fishing and how I can adapt my fishing better to where I fish from how these anglers pick apart a body of water. So there's there's the competitive side of it, which is really fun. But to me, from it's all about a fish. It's the fishing angle that really trips my trigger, and it's getting to a body of water and watching anglers that have never been there before or maybe they've been there a number of times, but they it clicks something inside their, their minds that really uh, helps them attack it in a slightly more unique, different way way because i think as, as fishermen one one thing that i see us all do is we we like to fall we like we like routine we like to go out and we like to fish the same point or the same bar or the same reef or the same weed line fish in the same way with the same things over and over and over again and if the fish don't bite we just go oh, that's easy the fish aren't biting tournament fishing doesn't work that way you got to push yourself a little bit and that's what i like about tournament fishing is it is the guys that push themselves the hardest um, generally end up finding a way to catch fish. And that's why I come back to what I believe, which you can can always catch fish if you put your mind to it. Uh, if all you want to do is go out and drift around in a boat, that's just fine. But if catching fish is your priority, just don't let failure be an option. Keep pushing yourself until you figure out a way to make them bite. I, I do like I, I do the uh, Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic here now, so I'm no Chip Lear, but I, I've been up on stage enough to know that I, I know there's got to be some guys that come up stage and you're kind of you're going, oh boy, I, I got to find a way to get a couple words out of this guy. And other people use this. Oh, good, I'm glad this guy because I know he's going to talk. <laughs> and, and that's all part of it yep. is their personality, and, and that's why I look at myself when I'm communicating. If we're just talking fishing, you know, most of the guys that, that come up on the stage. If if we're just talking about fishing, that's the easiest thing in the world for them to talk about because that's why they're there. They're passionate about it. They do it a lot. Um, and you just try to – to me, I just try to ask questions and provoke conversation for what they like uh, the most. The, the most awkward conversations on stage are the ones that are – is the anglers that feel that they're – they have to promote products in order to make a living and be a pro and all that, and it always comes out awkward and sounds terrible. And but it is it is what it is, you know. Yeah. It, but for the anglers that uh, and and I and I talk to a lot of young anglers about just that when they're coming up through the National Wildlife Tours, you get upstage, you talk about what you're you're comfortable with. Don't force something to. You know that that stuff doesn't work. But if we get up there and just talk fishing and you talk about what works and and why it works. It's it's pretty smooth and pretty easy, and that actually motivates more people to go fishing. Now, I mean, now we're at a point where 
economy's good. Boat companies are selling boats. Motors are selling. Everybody seems relatively happy. The dollar amounts at these tournaments keep getting larger and larger and larger. Yep. Um, and we're watching the bass side just absolutely explode. Walleye generally follows. Where's this all going? I, I don't know, but I am really happy to be along for the ride right now because this is... This is fun for me. Well, so when back in your first uh, TV experiences, did you did you lean on your brother for a little a few tips? Rob Lear, your brother, used to be involved in the TV biz. Yes, my my brother Rob. I actually have two brothers involved in TV. Oh, really? But my my brother Rob obviously was a. did a, did a lot of sports, started in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at WDAZ, and went on to KSTP, mm-hmm. um, which is Hubbard Broadcasting, yes. by the way. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, and and had a nice career for himself, and now he, he consults companies on how to deal with media in, in Minneapolis. And, and yeah, he, he, uh, he motivated me that it, there was nothing to it. You can get up there and do it. I've got another brother that's an actor living in Chicago. Oh, wow. So he, uh, he, he's doing it on a little little different uh, scale. He actually has to remember lines and things. Ooh, I just get up tough. and make it up as I go along. <laughs> I got the easiest gig there is. Just talk about talk about stuff I like. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, uh, you've obviously enjoyed it. You ever have one of those days where you say, I just don't want to talk about fishing today? Why? Okay. No, that's, I, I, I figured that was going to be Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fishing. I mean, I, I, you got to... Remember, I mean, I'm really, really lucky to have have figured out a way that I can I can make a living talking about what I like, and and that's why I come back to it's it's really humbling to be recognized and to be uh, uh, now to become a part of the Fishing Hall of Fame because this is this is something I mean fishing is just something that I've always loved and it, it's never really been work. Some of the activities that you've had to do and some of the road is grind is is work. But the actual participation in the sport and learning about the sport and sharing what I learn from others with others, that part is is never been work. That's always come relatively easy. And that's that's what makes fishing fishing is that it's it's a passion. It's fun. Who um, and, and I know you you know a lot of people, and I've been inspired by a lot of people. Is there any one or two that you can say these were the guys that really I modeled my career after? I think, well, there's there's it's bits and pieces. It's same as fishing. So I, here's how I look at that. Um, how did you become? Uh, how did you become the angler that you are today? Well, it's because I learned a little bit from this guy. I learned a little bit from this guy. I learned a bit, a little bit from this guy. That's why I said I've never been the one with all the answers to fishing. But I have taken lots of information some for, from very good anglers and adapted it to how I fish. And then I share that information with others that I can help, help them fish. In this career, I have learned a, a, a lot of things for, from in a lot of different ways from a lot of great people, from the Petersons to the Jeff Arnolds of the world to uh, the Thorn Brothers of the world to lots of uh, to the Doug Stangies and my and my times associated with within fishermen and Jim O'Rourke from the old uh, MC from from the PWT days oh, yeah. to Jim Kalkofen, the tournament director to Sonny Reynolds at the FLW. I mean, the list does not stop. Um, it's about you know. Making friends and learning from everybody that we are so lucky to work with in this industry, and just making the best me I can be, and that's all I've ever tried to do is is be Chip. I don't want to be anybody else. <laughs> I just want to be me mm-hmm. and share my passion, and, because I think people people will hopefully be motivated by that. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, one of the reasons I like to have Chip Lear on my show is when I check the podcast numbers, whenever Chip Lear's on, they go through the roof. So. 
Well, that's nice to hear. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, I actually have a big family. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, Chip, let's talk about some of the other things you're involved with. Like you say, you work with Northland Tackle on, on tackle development. Anything cool coming up we want to be keeping our eye on in the uh, future? Well, there's, there's always cool that, that's coming, and that's part of what makes Tackle Tackle. I think that uh, Northland Fish and Tackle has had a, a, a long history of innovation and really jumping on top of things that are are catching fish right now um, techniques that have been around forever continue to catch fish and will continue to catch fish but adapting them to to the new and now is, is what keeps you on top and that's what what northland does their new glow shot jig for this winter uh, i'm behind 100 percent uh the glow shot spoon um, with, which actually has a, a split ring and a treble hook. That's a spoon. The jig has got a fixed hook to a solid body. But, again, utilizing those, uh, those glow sticks. That part is uh, – I, I, I've seen so much I, – I, I know that I'm catching more fish because of the use of glow, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to the world of fishing. I still think that we've got a long lot to learn about how strong of a glow attracts and catches fish and when we want it super bright and when we want it kind of kind of dim and dark. You know, sometimes we want we like a bright light, sometimes we like it just a little bit off color and I think there's there's a lot to be learned there but um, the glow shot jig I know is going to produce fish. It's, it, I'm going to uh, been using it the last year, year and a half now underneath the uh, floats. So anytime I anytime I've got a, a set line, that has been my go-to hook. Okay. Um, what uh, as you look at the uh, the fishing scene overall? I mean, it's changed so much over the years. It's been changed since I started doing fish in Paul Bunyan Country, which seems like yesterday, but it's been 20 plus years. So, um, what's what's the biggest change in your mind? The biggest change I've seen in the fishing industry, at least most recently, is the interest in youthful competitive fishing. So the the high school fishing leagues that have, have sprouted up and developed, the college fishing, which we had the championships right here on, on Lake Bemidji, um, that that aspect of it and the competitive aspect of it, I've, I've seen the, the most growth. It's also, uh, you know, in our part of the world, it's almost taboo to say, but the bass world, right, mm-hmm. um, has really has really exploded. And I think that's because it, it, it's it's more physical, it's more active, it's more it's more proactive. You're you're up down moving around a lot more often than than walleye fishing. Um, but so so that part has has really grown. Uh, substantially at least in in most recently and that's what i've seen the biggest difference in that and and technology the i think the reason that these two things are kind of hand in hand is because the those high school college generational anglers the ones that are jumping into the sport the learning curve's never been i don't necessarily want to say easier but it but it is definitely faster because of technology and the fact that i can utilize i can utilize mapping and historical data which you can enter into your electronics now um and punch in that i'm looking you know i'm looking for a a steep break that goes to the main basin uh that comes off hard bottom towards soft bottom you can you can put all this information and punch into a map and your map is suddenly highlighted where where you need to concentrate your time that all used to be trial and error, and now you can learn a body of water in in a very short period of time and target fish in areas that should hold fish that much quicker. And I think that's why we're seeing a push of, of youth into the sports because it's getting easier to do, and they're using technology to do it, which is great. 
And that's uh, that's really good news because that has been the thing I've heard the most concern about actually within the last decade is in, is that there are fewer and fewer young people fishing. But this might bring that back. Absolutely, it could it could it could be what we've all been looking for. Now, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here too because how many of these youthful anglers are here to stay because of the fishing? How many are here for the competition? How many are here? You know, we don't know where the, all all these numbers numbers are going to shuffle out at the end. But sure. the fact we got more people fishing, this is a great thing. Yeah. What would you say? Big picture, all the years being a part of the industry. What's your biggest concern right now? My biggest concern is the same thing it's been my entire career, which is the environment. Yeah. I, I, um, we cannot take our resources for granted, period. Um, and to look at it as this is the way it is and things are just going to change because uh, that's the way it is, is 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 not the way to look at it. We're responsible for taking care of our environment. I think as sportsmen, hunters, and fishers, uh, we, we generally do a really good job of this, but I think um, we can continue to improve and to continue to monitor ourselves and be our own greatest critics when it comes to uh, taking care of the environment. Well, we have certainly seen, I mean, I don't think you can dispute, we have seen changes in fish populations within the last decade. For some reason or other, the number of smallmouth bass, you know, on Leech Lake, it's up here in Bemidji now. That, that's a unique change. There, the environment changes, and that's what, makes, that's what makes the sports great, and that's what makes the environment great or and our natural resources wonderful because they do evolve and change. And, and when I bring up resources, I'm not talking about... Um, my concern, whether it, I have concern about their health, but I have most of my biggest concern is that we just uh, monitor them and look out for them as they are. I think I think natural resources evolve and change over time naturally, mm-hmm. um, and that we are we are to just basically try to stay as best out of their way as we can and influence them to the uh, and, and just let them be. And if we let them be and and enjoy what they provide. We're going to be a lot happier. Yeah, I don't think anybody's bumming that we have smallmouth oh, no. bass. Up here oh no, now. no, no! I'm not. <laughs> but it, that's all. That's all. That's all good. But yeah. we're also seeing. We're also seeing change in terms of aquatic invasive species. Yep. We're seeing water clarity changes. We're seeing all these things changes, and and a lot of people just want to throw their arms up, and that's not what I'm what I'm saying at all. I, I, I think that um, there's no there's no more important time to stand up and take recognition of our resources and our responsibilities for them than there is right now, and to and to look out for each other and to stand up. And if you see something, somebody doing something that is not favorable, that you you mention it, and it's, you know, and and you. You push them on that issue, and we got to look out for each other. Well, certainly, we uh, we just got bad news in the in the AAS front here on Lake Bemidji, and you know, when I brought it, and I've talked to a few people about it, and it's it was like resignation. It was like, well, we knew it was only a matter of time. And it's like, well, yeah, but did it have to be just a matter of time? I despise that answer. I, I know I really, you. Do. <laughs> I, I I don't like it at all. Um, it, it's it's not the way to look at it. Yes, okay. So now now we know it's there. Now we know factually that it, it is part of our life. But it's all of our responsibilities to to do whatever we can do to prevent spreads going forward. To clean, drain, dry wherever we go, um, and to and now now we just see how the resource responds, right? And we see. But generally, I've, I believe that resources will take care of themselves long term. We've watched other lakes in other parts of the uh, of, of the world that uh, get invested with an aquatic invasive species 
fishing continues, life continues, we evolve through it. Um, it's, it's never what it was, uh, but hopefully we can, it, it, it it, its impact is, is low enough that we're still able to enjoy the resources uh, as best we can. And that's, and most importantly, going forward now, um, that we take care of our, take care of our resources and monitor our equipment so we can, uh, you know, have the least amount of, of impact as possible. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, to, to say, well, I'm not going to check that closely because it's all going to get up here anyway. That's that's not that's not the answer. No, I mean, and that's right. You think back about uh, when the when the college had the championships here, and how many of these kids had come from different parts of the country that are that really are in absolutely awful resource shape and how they commented how the the headwaters of the Mississippi and how beautiful and pristine it was here and the the weed growth here and just how uh, this was just such a unique part of the world. They'd never seen anything like it, right? Um, We we still have a lot to be proud of and we we got to keep protecting that. I think most of them were really stunned at the amount of work they had to do to get those boats allowed on the water even. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we we care about our resource and we protect it and uh, our aquatic invasive species and our, our our water and soil people are working overtime to make sure that we protect that and that's I, I think it's important that we have groups and part of our uh, our resource uh, our, our natural resource uh, departments that are looking out for it but most importantly I. That's why I keep coming back to it's our responsibility. It's an angler's responsibility. It's a resource user's responsibility. And it isn't just fishermen. Uh, I mean, it's, it's whether you are a, a water skier or a tuber or a pontoon boat owner, whoever you are, or, or you're, you're you know, buying a dock that's coming from another lake and is moving from one body of water to another. These are all things that need to get monitored. Okay. Um, so your advice for the guy who wants to be the next Chip Lear? <laughs> you got a couple different ways that can respond to that, but uh, but if if the question really is, is any advice you got somebody that wants to make a living and, and, and try to make it in the in the fishing world is is do it. I mean, why why not? Go, but most importantly, don't uh, don't be anybody other than who you are. And I think mm-hmm. that's where where. There's a lot of times in our sport, and especially you see it a lot on social media, where everybody wants to be um, Al Linder or everybody wants to be um, somebody that they're not. And what's interesting about what I think is great about the fishing world is there's plenty of room for lots of personalities. And if you're the best you you can be, um, it'll evolve and you will end up where you're supposed to be. Uh, I thought I was going to be a fishing guide forever. It didn't. It didn't work out that way. But I'm, I'm really happy it didn't. I mm-hmm. I still love to fish. I still get to fish. I still, I I get to fish in different ways than I ever could as a fishing guide. And that's the that's the evolution that that I've gone through, and I've been very happy with it. And I think it could be for anybody if they get in there and just try. I think one of the biggest changes I've seen is the marketing savvy of this new generation of, of fishing guides and people who are trying to make it in the fishing business. Um, used to be I had to pull teeth to find people to be on the show, and now I don't have enough shows for everybody who wants to be on. And I think part of that has become when people were very um, – if you put a microphone or a camera in somebody's face, they would – their personality would change and they had a really rough time with social media and phones and, and all of this. And everybody 
making tapes and selfies and all that kind of stuff, everybody's going to be that much more comfortable um, with media. And that is that's good because we're a lot. It allows us to share more fishing information more freely, and uh, which benefits all of us that are looking to become better anglers, which is part of me because I'm. Mm-hmm. You're never, you know, there's there, you, you're always looking for one more trick, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Chip, any other final thoughts? No, thanks for having me. And and I think you know big part of our sport and our growth of the sport is guys like you, Kevin, and, and Fish and Paul Bunyan Country and all that you've done to to sh- help us share that information over the airways. And I just want to say thank you to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Chip Lear is in the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. He will be inducted at the Northwest Sports Show in Minneapolis in March. So if you're uh, thinking about going to that show, you'll, you'll want to do that and uh, be part of this history-making day. Chip, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. This has been Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hear it exclusively on KBUNFM 104.5, Thursdays at 1240 and Saturday mornings at 8. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.